Who's the more foolish, the fool or the fool who follows him? Yo, what's up? The Geeky Coach back for another spoiler review of The Mandalorian. This one on Season 3, Episode 7, The Spies. This episode delivers. Um, you know, I wish there had been a little bit more build-up to the, the climax of this episode, to the end of this episode. I wish they had done more kind of along the way, especially after what I felt was, you know, kind of a filler episode last week. That being said, this episode delivers. It does what it needs to do. It sets up the final episode. It sets up the season finale. And we get a glimpse into... Really, where the what I'm going to call the the Filoni verse of the uh, current Star Wars product is going, and I think that Dave Filoni and John Favreau obviously have been tasked with create the connective tissue between the original trilogy and the sequel trilogy, as well as you know picking up pieces of the prequels, which they did in the last episode. That you know while filler did a good job of tying things back to, you know, the Separatists, the Battle Droids, the Clone Wars, etc. This episode is meant to tie us from the original trilogy to what I think is going to be Dave Filoni's movie via these different streaming shows on Disney+. Plus. So whether it's The Mandalorian, Boba Fett, um... Ahsoka, Skeleton Crew, all of those are, are really what I consider the Filoni-verse and in that more of the, the Rebels universe that exists as a sub-pocket of the overall Star Wars universe. And I think that what they did in this episode in terms of explaining the state of the Empire early on in the episode was very cool. I mean, at the end of the day, I am most excited about Ahsoka, not for Ahsoka, although I, I, she's grown on me as a character, but I'm excited to see the live-action version of uh, Grand Admiral Thrawn. And we get a Thrawn reference in this episode as Moff Gideon, you know, begins to petition the Empire's Shadow Council that's kind of running things behind the scenes right now, kind of after the fall of the Empire. And what I think it does is, and, and you hear this phrase uttered in the uh, Ahsoka trailer... I think what it does is it fits kind of nicely with a lot of the elements from the Heir to the Empire trilogy by Timothy Zahn. And so Zahn, obviously, is the author, the creator, that really kind of carried Star Wars between the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy with his Heir to the Empire books, and I think he did a couple of other ones as well. But that was the original story there, which is now no longer canon. It's Legends. But... It really talked about how Thrawn picked up the pieces of the Empire and really became the leader of the Empire with a with a figurehead who was also a clone of Joros Saboth, who was supposed to have been a basically a clone of the Emperor. And so, you know, as much as I disliked how the sequel trilogy handled bringing back Emperor Palpatine, Palpatine, I think it actually ties in relatively nicely with you know things that timothy zahn had written in the heir to the empire trilogy and i think we get nods to that in this episode and so what you have at the beginning of the episode is really this shadow council which includes commandant hux general hux's father you know talking about the 
Project Necromancer, so bringing someone back from the dead in terms of cloning technology. He talks about Grand Admiral Thrawn is, you know, somewhere building up, massing up. And then you have Moff Gideon, who has his own plans and his own designs. And we, of course, get G38 or whatever her name is at the beginning of the episode, reaching out to Moff Gideon to let him know that the Mandalorians are back, ruined whatever plans he had on Navarro, and are heading to Mandalore. And so Moff Gideon goes and asks for support from the Shadow Council, and they give him TIE Bombers, they give him TIE Interceptors, they give him Praetorian Guards, which you see kind of surrounding Snoke in The Last Jedi. Those are those guys in red that uh, Rey and uh, Kylo Ren battled. And so we get that. We also get the knowledge in this episode, I don't think is part of the Shadow Council, but we find out, obviously, that Moff Gideon has escaped from prison and that the Beskar used or that they found in that shuttle wreckage was none other than his attempt to rebuild the Dark Troopers. And the Dark Troopers are interesting grab from a bunch of different Legends canon. I think they're referenced in the Heir to the Empire trilogy. I don't, I don't know that for certain, but they're definitely from the... Um, from the video game, the Dark Forces video game. And so now that he's basically saying he's not going to create droids for Dark Troopers, he's using basically Beskar armor to arm his elite squad of Stormtroopers and uh, the Death tr- or Dark Troopers, etc. And so what that be- eventually comes down to is a battle between the Mandalorians and these Beskar-wearing Stormtroopers and Dark Troopers. I think that... Circling back, uh, you know, they did do a little bit of a cutesy thing with Grogu. Uh, Grief Karga, you know, offers a bottle of wine, basically welcomes the Mandalorians in, and then one of the Azaleans shows up with the IG frame, and it's now basically a little mini droid tank uh, (laughs) or droid vehicle for someone small. And the Azalean's driving it when he comes in, and at the end, Grogu's driving it. And... You know, I am not always for, like, the cutesy elements with Grogu. I think it takes away from the story. I think this took away from the story a little bit, but it was freaking funny. And it gave Grogu a voice in terms of saying yes and no and watching, you know, him learn how to pilot the IG unit and then out in the market where he's just saying yes, 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 yes. Uh, to being able to keep the IG unit and use it as a tank and, you know, gives him a little bit more autonomy is it's, it's pretty entertaining. It's funny. Um, you know, at the, the way they use it kind of throughout the episode didn't bother me entirely. Uh, and I'm curious to see, I'm, I'm sure it will involve IG 12 with Grogu driving picking up a vibro sword or a lightsaber at some point, whether that's this season or, you know, a future season remains to be seen. Uh, but that's that's kind of the stuff around the central story. So the central story here is Bo-Katan has reunited uh, large factions of Mandalorians. She's reunited her mercenary cult or mercenary uh, group, not the cult. Uh, she's brought them to the Children of the Watch, and we get this kind of Mandalorian super force that the armorer encourages to go back to Mandalore and retake Mandalore. And she continues to serve as almost that religious leader under Bo-Katan as more of a political or, uh, 
military leader. And so we get that. We get the travel back to Mandalore. Once they arrive on Mandalore, they run into a very cool design in terms of a big sailing ship that's, you know, hovering across the land that is actually former night owls, uh, that being Bo-Katan's family, Clan Crees, etc. And we get kind of a reunification there, a reuniting between Bo-Katan and the night owls. And what le- what it leads to is Bo-Katan kind of acknowledging what happened with the Darksaber. Basically, she saw that the fall of Mandalore was imminent, and she surrendered. And it, that is greeted with, like, mixed reactions by the crowd uh, surrounding this kind of dinner table. And she she's ashamed of it, but she feels that it's the truth that needs to be shared. And that explains how Moff Gideon ended up with the Darksaber. And obviously Moff Gideon, you know, is not honorable, did not honor the uh, surrender, etc. And after Bo-Katan shares that information, Din kind of walks with her and says, you know... The Darksaber doesn't mean anything to me or the, the children of the Watch. The Your failures as previously as a leader don't mean anything to me. What matters to me is the honor you're showing now. And that honor can really kind of unite the Mandalorians and someone who leads with honor uh, will rise to the top. And I think that that you know, feels a little... I've been playing Star Trek Online lately. feels a little Klingon to me. It also feels... Uh, a little bit in, you know, the fantasy realm. But at the end of the day, honor leads, and that's what they do. And so Bo-Katan gathers the children of the Watch, the mercenaries, the night owls, and they go on a quest to find the great Master Forge. When they arrive at the Master Forge, it's been largely decimated, um, not in use for years, although I'm curious if Moff Gideon, who shows up at this point, was using it. So what we get is kind of an all-out battle between the empires, the remnants of the empire with the dark troopers. We get a little bit of an exposition from Moff Gideon in terms of, you know, he built the the dark troopers with the Beskar armor. He built, uh, or he's taking the best elements of different societies that the the empire has conquered. And really, he's he's challenging for the position of Thrawn's leadership over the Shadow Council and over the remnants of the Empire. And so he ends up having the, the Mandalorians cornered. Um, they are really outmatched here. And Bo-Katan, rather than sacrificing everyone again, kind of cuts a hole and makes a way for their escape. During that escape, we get the end of Jon Favreau and Paz Vizsla, uh, going out like a champ, he basically covers the Mandalorian retreat using that huge uh, laser Gatling gun and delivers that on that front. Um, I see my buddy Malk out in the chat. Yeah, Sasha Banks is still there. She's in this episode. She was with the mercenary group that Bo-Katan was with in season two. Uh, so she's back. And I, doesn't she go by like Money Monet now or something like that? Um, but... So, yes, you get her back. You get uh, some conflicts between Axe Woves and Paz Vizsla on the route to the forge, but then you get the sacrifice by Paz Vizsla at the end um, kind of as a, as a send-off for that character. Circling back, there was one piece I missed on kind of the trip to the forge. There is a 
cool little fight sequence that erupts between Paz Villa, uh, Vizla and Axe Woves. They're playing a, a chess-like game. Axe accuse, accuses Paz of cheating. A fight breaks out. And none other than Grogu and the IG unit is the one to separate it. So Grogu kind of exerting his influence when, you know, uh, Bo-Katan told Din, neither side can interfere. This has to play out. And then a neutral third party like Grogu is the one who separates them. I thought that that was a cool little ending there. I think where we are heading with the Mandalorians escaping is probably to a pretty cool little space battle between the Mandalorian fleet and this Imperial remnant fleet that uh, Moff Gideon has constructed. I think that that's probably how the finale kicks off. And I think it's all leading to kind of a Beskar versus Beskar showdown, most likely between Bo-Katan and Moff Gideon, maybe between Din Djarin and Moff Gideon. Um, and I'm curious to see how the uh, armorer plays into things because she wasn't part of the scouting party that made it to the forge. She had actually taken some of the night owl remnants back to the fleet to make sure that they were safe. So I'm curious to see how all that plays out. I want to see, uh, really how this finale wraps up. And I know that this season has gotten a little bit of hate, you know, outside of, Episode six, that whole guns for hire episode. I actually think this has been a really strong season and it's been a very Dave Filoni season, like diving this deep on the Mandalorians and the culture of Mandalore, the dark saber bringing Thrawn in all of that. Like that is very, very much Dave Filoni's creative influence and trying to connect not just the, you know, the original trilogy to the sequel trilogy, but really providing that connective tissue of all of Star Wars. And really, that's what he's done throughout his entire career. I mean, look at Clone Wars. Clone Wars was to give you the meat behind uh, the prequel trilogy. Rebels was designed to give you linkage between the prequels and the original trilogy. What he's doing now with with linkage with Mandalorian, Ahsoka... Skeleton Crew, Boba Fett, like all of that is going to provide a linkage from the original trilogy to the sequel trilogy. And I think you're starting to see that. And it's really all building up to Dave Filoni's movie. Uh, and I think that what you're going to see is continued crossover between The Mandalorian, Ahsoka, and the new show Skeleton Crew, leading to a Dave Filoni movie, which I expect to kind of be very Heir of the Empire-esque except without probably the Jedi playing as much as a factor, given that in the original Heir to the Empire trilogy of books, that was, you know, Han, Leia, their three kids, Luke kind of beginning the Academy, etc. Actually, you may get a little bit of Luke Skywalker and his Academy kind of growing, leading up to Timothy Zahn, or leading up to Dave Filoni's you know, Thrawn movie that is is likely, you know, 2026, 2027, something like that. And I think I should probably go back and do an Ahsoka review or Ahsoka trailer review, but as the Ahsoka series comes out, you can look like look for episodes like this as well on that. Um, I will also probably drop an episode next week, uh, if not later this week, on just a season three roundup of Star Trek Picard because that one's been 
I've, I've enjoyed that season as well. So, as always, if you want to just shoot the shit on Star Wars, if you just want to want to talk some geek talk, feel free to reach out to me on all social channels at the Geeky Coach. Uh, otherwise, tune in to our regular show, Do Fools Agree, here on the Foolproof Entertainment Network every Friday. And if sports are more your thing, check out Hit the Showers every Wednesday here on the Foolproof Entertainment Network. And as always, I'm the Geeky Coach, and peace out, fools.